1: Very honored to introduce to you my very personal and special friend and guest this week, Kelsey Stringer. Kelsey, welcome to A Current Life.
2: Thank you, Jimmy. Thank you for having me.
1: I appreciate your making time to join us today, as I always do. I would like to give our listeners a proper introduction to you. Kelsey's journey towards advocacy, education, and prevention of sudden death in sports began on August the 1st, 2001, when her husband, NFL All-Pro lineman Corey Stringer, died from the complications of an exertional heat stroke while practicing with the Minnesota Vikings at the age of 27. The two were married for four years, and during that time, Kelsey gave birth to their son, Cody Drew. As a young widow and mother, Kelsey struggled to decide on the best way to honor Corey's memory and ultimately established the Corey Stringer Foundation. Through her foundation, she was instrumental in developing a partnership among the National Football League, Gatorade, and the University of Connecticut Nags School of Education, forming the Corey Stringer Institute. In Atlanta and Atlanta, Georgia native, Mrs. Stringer's love of community is evident in her other nationwide philanthropic contributions. She regularly assists families and children through donations, mentoring, and reading at elementary schools. And in 2005, she helped resettle evacuees from New Orleans in the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina to Atlanta, booking numerous hotels and providing food and shelter for several months, as well as grief counseling, job placement assistance, and buses for the evacuees to revisit New Orleans. This show is about life's journey and the ups and downs and that we all have to overcome to ultimately end up with what whatever we're supposed to be or whatever we term our success. I can speak for personal knowledge that this is Kelsey Stringer is one of the most special people I've uh, had the pleasure of getting to know. I represented her husband as his agent. More importantly, my friendship and my love for their family and for Kelsey, for Cody and for Corey um, is hard to match. Uh, they're very, very special people and the work that she's done in creating the Institute is saving lives already. And I, uh, urge everybody to look into the KSI uh, website, which we'll talk about more on this show. And Kelsey, it's a distinct pleasure to have you on the show.
2: Thank you, Jimmy. Thank you so much.
1: So I'd like to start uh, with your early years. Uh, you were born in Cincinnati and moved to Atlanta when you were nine months old. How do you think growing up in the South affected your personality and your values?
2: Oh, it did tremendously. Um... It was, I actually had a very unique upbringing because of the fact that my parents um, were, which was very distinct then, from the North. So I always had like a contrasting type of childhood. It's like I was able to witness and, you know, indulge in like the Southern life and all of the rules and freedoms that come along with living in the South at that time. But I always had my parents to, you know, always instill the difference of life. You know, so it was just always important that I appreciated the South of, you know, the struggle of the South, but I always understood a different level of confidence from my parents because they just actually had opportunities growing up that many people in the South didn't have. So I was very fortunate to see both.
1: Well, I know that family is a very big part of your life. Who were your biggest influencers in your life growing up?
2: Um, I I would have to say at this point probably my dad, and not to, you know, sound like a cliché, but he just always amazed me. Like, he could always just seem like he could do anything, and he was just, like, fearless. And, And he just, you know, I would hang with my dad so much, and I learned so much about life. And even as I was a little girl... I remember, like, you know how you can go places and do things and you just know that those are, like, defining moments in your life, things that you'll just, you know, you can feel memories being created. And those are the type of experiences I had with my dad. So he was always influential to me of just, like, not being afraid, try different things. You know, I, I developed a lot of my personality from engaging with people. Like, you know, people say I can just, like, talk to a rock because I can talk to anybody and 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 I think that was just, it was enjoyable for me to see him like that. So it influenced me a lot.
1: Was there a particular person or a member of your family that maybe, as you look back, that you wish you'd spent more time getting to know as you were growing up? And if so, why that particular person? Um,
2: I I would have been probably, maybe two people. I would have been... Or taking it more advantage of the time that I spent with my grandmothers, both of them, and both of them lived in Cincinnati. And when I would visit, it would be kind of weird because, like, one summer I would visit this grandmother and another summer I would visit the other, you know, even though they live, like, down the street from each other. So I would have spent more time with them, but at the time not knowing how valuable, like, history is and having an immediate person that can just tell you about their life and and just, you know, their experiences and just, you know, their aura and how they just settle into their life. So I would have, now that I'm in the place that I am and the age that I am, I would have spent more time with them, as well as probably my sister. Um, My sister and I, we grew up together. And we were relatively close, but we're like six years apart. So um, we're at an age now that I kind of wish, like, we just would have taken advantage of, like, the time once she left home or was in college, you know, and I could have just like learned so much from her, but she kind of, she went away to school and then moved back to Cincinnati. So I kind of miss a little bit of that now.
1: You know, we always, uh, I always say at least that you know I don't have regrets, but I think it's probably not as as, as maybe a bit disingenuous because I think often as I look back,
2: mm-hmm.
1: the relationships or the people that I knew that maybe I didn't, you know take advantage of in a good way, in a spiritual way, you know, really right. getting to know them as deeply as I could. As you look back on your life, is there a, a single or a biggest regret that maybe you had in your life uh, that maybe, um, you know, you wish you could take back? Um, I mean, I, it could have been an event or a time or a situation. Oh.
2: want to be so quick to say no, but, like, as you were asking me this question, I'm thinking of things, and it's like, really, no single event could top another, you know? Right. I, you know, I hate to, to just, you know, come across just so, you know, whatever, but I just, not really, because anything that I think about, Jimmy, that you know, was a significant moment or a tragic moment, It's such good things come from it, primarily growth. So I can't really say, oh, I wish that totally would not have happened to me because I know that that whatever, all the things that have happened to me, you know, play a significant factor in who I am and where I am.
1: It made you who you are today. Yeah, so so I I
2: can't, I can't. I mean, if if that was the case, I would have to redream my whole entire life. But, you know, nothing in particular can I, can I pull out, and that's, that's the truth.
1: So as I did my – I mean, obviously we know each other extremely well, but as I did some additional research, um, I learned that in high school you were a track runner. And uh, do you think participating in that sport, you know, which requires results from both being an individual as well as individuals working together as a team, Especially as we're all sitting and watching the Olympics right now, that that achieves some success or influenced your outlook on life. And if so, how how, how did that happen?
2: Yeah, it, it did tremendously. Now, now that I if <laughs> this is funny, actually, you asking me this made me take back on what you just said. Yeah, <laughs> I guess you know what I retract that. If there was one thing that I wish I would have continued, that would have been to run track because. That is, like, the one thing that I just dreamed of doing and really enjoyed doing. And I didn't probably pay attention to it as much then. It was just just for the love of it and the thrill of it. And it was just so much fun and such a – just, like, a thrill to compete, you know, and and compete on purpose, have a purpose for competing. You know what I mean? Not just, you know, with with random people. And so that always – that always just like set me off, and I just love that feeling, and I love being able to, you know, it gave me something to believe in myself about, you know, it was just it was like the sure. ultimate boost of confidence. Participating in like a sport, you know, it's just because no matter what you're doing, team or no or individual, um, to some extent, you you have to have so much faith in yourself, you know. and yeah. you're so responsible for having that faith in yourself, and there's so many things you can do to build that that faith. So that's just a dynamic place to be mentally, to be able to compete in a sport or be an athlete or to some extent, you know, and be a professional or recreational or whatever. It's it's a huge, huge boost for, like, the brain.
1: Right. Uh, so, you know, uh, and I imagine as we're all watching the Olympics right now, it, it brings us back to those days where you could say, well, if I had just run a little harder or worked a little harder done this and... <laughs> You know, we're both raising children, and I think at times I kind of am pushing my own son, and you know my kids, but particularly Lucas, you know, to say, you know, just just go to the gym one more day and jump rope and do all this stuff, you know, and and it's hard to let go. It's hard to let kids themselves and grow because they're not going to do what I want them to do and I, I know you deal with Cody on that and you now have a, a new child and mm-hmm. and so it's a hard uh, it's a hard balance to find I think don't don't you agree
2: I do I think I think the hardest part about having children and, and, and especially to play sports or you know or Particularly, maybe good in one certain area. Um, it takes a lot of courage, I think. That's what I found over the years to be a parent and to be a quote unquote a good parent. It doesn't, you know, all the other things that we think we're supposed to have, I mean, we all fall short on that, you know, but to really be, and we do. So, like, striving for that is a waste of time to me. But to, just to to be courageous enough to let your child be who they are. Like that's the hardest thing in the world because it, right. it is. I mean, you're so responsible for this individual, okay? And then all of a sudden, you have to let them basically put their whole life in their hands. So, and of course, you know? if they
1: do well, they'll take the credit. If they don't do well, they'll blame you for it anyway. So
2: anyway, so you know, to like, <laughs> and you always in raising children, you can't help but to think about your own childhood, no matter how it was, good, bad, or indifferent. You know, you you just always think, like you said about Lucas going to the gym. You'll just always think, like you know. What if? What if I would have pushed myself a, hard, a little harder? What if my parents would have like really got into me? And you know, being in the sports world, you always hear these stories about these parents that pushed, and then at the end of the day, they thank them. and You're like, yeah, you know. But like, you have to be a realistic person too with your children. It's like you can't push them into something that they're not really good at right. or that they hate. You know, it, it's, it's it's with me and Cody that you know it's it's, it's such a hard balance because. His stature, you know, you would automatically assume he just lives and dies football, and it's totally the opposite. Okay, he I, to this day I still don't think he may have watched maybe one full football game in his life. Wow. Yeah, maybe wow. two. And I know probably you know the coaches maybe not like to hear that, but it's the truth. And now he, he's he's going into ninth grade. He's starting high school, and he's like made a like a a, a complete change, and he doesn't love it, okay? He still does not love football, but he gets it because he's been doing it for so long, and now he understands, like, his strength. He knows he's, he's become confident in what it is he can do, and, of course, that is terrifying for me, and it's hard because... Now it's like, okay, do I put a little bit more? Do I keep ignoring it? And you know, and it's, it's, it's even more challenging for me now that he kinda has an interest and in, 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 in life what he's doing than before when he could care less. So it's scary and I just have to, you know, constantly gauge every day, like what should I say? Should I ask this? Should I you know, should I push this? Right. And it's just it's just it's not the easiest task but I guess You know, that's what comes along with the territory. So um, I'm
1: curious, uh, you know, uh, first of all, you chose to go to Ohio State. You had an incredible amount of great schools in your backyard Mm -hmm. in in Georgia. You chose to end up at Ohio State, uh, which obviously it was there that you met your future husband, Corey. And you uh, you were a freshman. You were a psychology major, if I remember correctly.
2: Right.
1: And... You know, give me a little bit about how you ended up at Ohio State and what it was like to go to... You know, you were from Cincinnati in the very early uh, mm-hmm. months of your life. But how did you end up at Ohio State? What made you choose psychology? And I know you were also interested in fashion. Mm-hmm. You're you're incredibly versed in that subject. So give me how all that came together.
2: Well, after I realized that I didn't want to be a track star um, for pure aesthetic re- reasons, you know, I just I didn't... <laughs> I didn't like the look of the the girl athletes at the um, schools that I visited, you know, for, on the track team. So I I was, you know, embarking on a new point in life and moving away and, you know, just fulfilling dreams. And I figured, you know, why not live it to the best that you can and exactly the dream, you know, if you, if you could have it all, which one do you want the most? So I just wanted to be a student and live life and enjoy being on my own. So the, 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 the funniest thing is Ohio State was not even in my radar, like I didn't it was like whatever you know I was dead set on going to University of Virginia, you know, I bought the comforters, the sweatshirts, everything on the visit, and funny how life works, like my friend and I were going, and every it was about four or five people going, everyone got accepted, but me and wow. I mean, it was, yeah, it was like that was the foremost devastating time of my life at the age of seventeen, of course so I was just like, oh, my God. Like, that was kind of one of my first or second real lessons in understanding that, you know, you got to just take life as it is. So I ended up going to Ohio State because my dad thought it would be a good school. And it's a funny story. I, I was He was watching a football game one day, and he said, um, you know, watch the, come watch the football game with me. He was watching Ohio State, and I was, you know, I don't like football, whatever, you know, and I'm like, well, I don't know. And I'm like, well, who are you watching? He's like, oh, I'm watching the Buckeyes. And he's like, you should apply to Ohio State. This is a good school. And I was, like, just so ridiculously flipped, and I was like, the Buckeyes. And I was like, you know, well, do they have a good football team? And I don't know why I said that. I don't like football. I, I think I was just being condescending. And he was like, oh, they're the best. And I say to him, I was like, okay, well, maybe I'll go and marry me a football player.
1: Oh, my God. And
2: my dad lost it. Like, imagine your daughter saying this to you, okay? Like, is this what you're going to school to do? And (laughs) I just told him, like, that was not the cool thing to do then. maybe I could see
1: Harold's reaction right now. Oh, God.
2: He, like, went off. Like, the whole tone changed, right? So I was like, well, never mind. Long story short, I end up at Ohio State. And... I meet Corey. However, I I avoided the football team, the basketball team, soccer, lacrosse at all at all costs. Like when I went, got there, I, you know, I dated some random DJ who probably wasn't even in school, you know, just so I wouldn't have anything to do with the athlete because I was so afraid of what my dad had said. So not, needless to say, I met Corey and I had to keep it a secret for <laughs> about a year because I didn't want my parents to know. And, then once they finally found out, of course, you know the whole mood changed again, and it was like, "Oh, why didn't you tell me?" Oh, oh <laughs> God, he's great! And I'm like, "Are you kidding?" So that's my funny Ohio State story, so well, Corey and when, I used to always laugh about that too.
1: So he it, he went to he came out early from school,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, uh, and was drafted in the first round by the Minnesota Vikings, and you stayed there to finish up your degree what was uh what was that like having kind of a long distance relationship with him and also uh you found out soon that you were pregnant with your son Cody mm-hmm. and how did your family and you feel about you know having uh, this relationship with a football player and, and the fact that he was such a, a big guy going into the NFL. I mean, uh, there's a lot to that, and obviously you would be raising a son whose father would become very well-known in, in an elite sport. Yeah,
2: it was well, first and, foremost, first and foremost, my parents really liked Corey once they met him, and, you know, they were comfortable at realizing, you know, he was a good person, and they really appreciated the fact that he football was not his life, so that made them comfortable in knowing that football wouldn't have to be my life, because them, you know, any parent raising their child, you never want your child to just become a shadow in anybody's life, you know, no matter what the circumstances, so they were um they were happy about that that he was a good person and we were good and um it was it was different. It was it was kinda cute in college, you know, when he left and, you know, having a long distance relationship because it was like you always had someone to talk to, you know, and something to look forward to to visit. So it was kinda cute. But at the same time, my goal was not to like graduate school and then go live with Corey. You know, it was it was great. We would, we would date, you know, possibly, you know, we would be boyfriend and girlfriend. But it, to me, it was like, okay, this is my friend. This is, you know, fine. I like him. He likes me. But there were no immediate plans like, okay, I'm going here because I want to live my own life, you know. And I felt I was worthy of, you know, all the things that came to me, you know, because I worked hard for those things. So it was it was a It was a big change once I did actually graduate, and then I went to back to atlanta and then I ended up getting a job in Minnesota that was my first job as a buyer <laughs> and um sometimes I want to you know stick by my guns and insist that you know Corey had nothing to do with me going to Minnesota, but you know you do a lot of things for love. Right. But, you know, I think the I think the key to it is always keeping boundaries, you know, keeping you know, when you when you go on for something you're keeping boundaries and, and not just pouring your everything into, you know, the first thing your heart feels. You know, I mean some people think the opposite. But, you you know, at that time, it's, I mean, let's be realistic. He was a football player, he was a rookie, you know, he was a first-round pick. I mean, you know, Corey didn't have that ego, but he was coming into a whole new world. and He was 20 years old, for Christ's sake, you know? And it's like, I just felt like, how unfair would that be? You know, I know if I worked that hard to get there and, you know, at this certain level in life, I would not just totally want to, I mean, you know, commit my life at the age of 20 or 21 years old, you know? You got to live a little. You know, that's the fun part. So I was, you know, our goal was never to be, like, just there and and, and married and and have children right away, but, you know, that's just kind of how it worked out, and he got there, and I was... Back home and got a job and had my own apartment, you know, because I needed to be independent. I needed to show myself. I needed to show him, you know. And you know that didn't last long at all. And next thing you know, I was living there. We were engaged, and Cody was born. And shortly after, we were married.
1: Well, you know, you you both uh, had a thriving life in Minnesota. Uh, Mm -hmm. He was um, um, prior to his passing. He was all pro. um, Mm You, uh, Cody, was growing up, and I know there were special moments in your relationship and in your life and plans. And eleven years, really, to this week, um, mm-hmm. your life was changed forever. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about that, and, and really, uh, I guess you know uh, your rea- What happened in, in terms of how did you react when you were told that your husband had passed from exertional heat stroke? Really, eleven years from today, and a lot of this show is really. Dedicated to the will that you showed, the faith you showed, the the way you came kind of out of the dark, if if you may, to mm-hmm. to really giving so much back to life, and obviously everything to a degree that you and I, uh, being as close as we are and being as as Dedicated as we were to Corey, that uh, the, the tribute of you building the um, the institute in in honor of him and saving so many other lives. So, I want to take you back to that week, as difficult as it was, and ask you what what was your reaction to being told the news that your husband had passed away, as being the only NFL player that had ever passed away on the field.
2: Well, it was it was um, not what I expected. I tell you that much. Um, Never once, I mean, I, in the beginning when they called me and told me that Corey was in the hospital, they didn't, you know, they just, the heat stroke, you know, understanding that we have now, that wasn't, no one explained it that way. It wasn't that, you know, prevalent. I just kept hearing tidbits about, oh, it was so hot outside and, you know, A, or it was so hot and B, you know, so I didn't have any information and I was just really confused and, um, I got to. I, I was in Atlanta, and I got to Minnesota. And um, by the time I arrived at the hospital, he had already passed away. And it was just. It was just. I mean, it was just. It was devastating. It was just. It was unbelievable. It was just unbelievable. And it was unbelievable. But yet, I was not in denial. In denial. You know. It was. It was like as crazy as it sounded. Is as real as it was. Right. So you know that's the one time where you don't need to doubt because who plays with that? So it was very clear and it was very concrete and matter of fact, and I was just like, "Wow, okay." And I did, from that moment, Jimmy, I was just like in this space, and it was just it was it was a it was an okay space to be in. It was it was not the space that I expected I would have. You know, I, I I did everything in my power to, like, break down so that I could just release, you know, just the the devastation that I was feeling, you know, but nothing happened, nothing physically, and it was just, you know, a, a spirit took over, and it was, and it just, you know, said, you know, it'll be okay, and I was like, okay, this is good, and... You know, from that moment on, you know, I faced like it, it was just like I, I I stood still for it seemed like 10 minutes, which was probably maybe three seconds. And then from that moment on, it was just like every reason why this happened, every thing that, you know, can come from this just start coming at me like one by one. And it was just like so surreal and you know, I mean, from from seeing Corey there dead to to seeing his teammates to trying to get an understanding why to you know having to call you and talk with you and you know thinking about Cody and you know it was just it was just crazy. So, um, shortly, you know, I dealt with it as best as I could. You know, you just I did. I'm, I'm actually quite thankful that. I did have an outlet immediately um to be able to kinda of get some things off my chest and and by having this outlet I, I think it, it 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 benefited, you know, me and, and you and all of us to gain more information than we probably would have gotten just sitting there, you know, and greeting. Sure. So um I'm I'm very appreciative of that. But those things are confirmations that what you know, we are doing now with KSI is absolutely why this happened, you know. And it, and it may sound a little selfish to say that's the only reason, but for whatever personal reasons that there may be, you know, for myself or Cody or his, you know, his mom, his brother, his family, you know, it can be that. But to actually be able to not allow these deaths to continue to occur, you know, to put out enough energy and enough information to prevent these things from happening, that's like so powerful and it's so divine you know it's like what can you do with that but accept it
1: well you know i'm um, we're going to take a break uh for just a second we were only going to take one break during the show because uh i was so honored to have you on the show this show is brought to you by Smartwater, water ohio midwestern college and AdSpace space mall network and they've been gracious enough to allow us to have the show with all, all these breaks. I do want to come back and talk about the fact that you were only 27 years old when all this happened. And I want to talk a little bit about how, you know, life is for 11 years has obviously, you know, uh, you've gathered so much information. You've been able to give so much back and you've been able to make such a tangible difference in so many people's lives with the Institute as well as with the knowledge uh, that you gained from this, it it, it is uh, amazing to me because of the kind of human being you are and of what you've been able to take away from this. Uh, uh, I know what the loss meant to me, and I can only imagine what it meant to you and Cody. And I'm grateful to you for for taking up the challenges because I do think, and uh, and as we know, the Corey Stringer Institute at the University of Connecticut has saved. Uh, many, many kids' lives because they're now so much better prepared and so much better educated. So when we come back, I'd like to talk to you what it was like being 27 at that time and as you look back kind of uh, on the situation, what some of the things that stand out. Uh, It's Jimmy Gould with my special guest and dear friend, Kelsey Stringer. Uh, You're listening to A Current Life. Please stay tuned.
3: the internet's number one talk station number one talk station VoiceAmerica.com. tune into the voice america variety channel on the voice america talk radio network Do you feel like you are alone in a desert? Often we feel alone with no place to turn for help and guidance in our troubles that always seem to be so overwhelming. Stop. Take an hour each week to tune into Stream in the Desert with Dr. Rita Huang. Dr. Rita will share stories of people just like you, intended for you to find some inspiration in their problems and solutions. The most important thing is that you are not alone. Others have been in the same place. Share some time with us every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific, and on demand on the Voice America Variety channel. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com.
0: You're listening to A Current Life with Jimmy Gould. If you have a question or comment for Jimmy or his guest today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd like to send an email, the address is acurrentlife at yahoo.com. Now, back to the program.
1: Welcome back to A Current Life, sponsored by Smartwater. This is your host, Jimmy Gould, and I'm here with my special guest and very dear friend, Kelsey Stringer. Uh, Before the break, um, we were talking about what it was like 11 years ago to this week uh, when Corey passed on the field. Uh, You were 27 years old then when all this happened. Do you think you would have handled the situation differently if you had been older when all this occurred? And if so, how? How would that have been the case? And kind of just some of the one or two things that really, you know, have have changed you throughout all of this, because certainly we now know that this is a preventable illness, and, and we didn't know that then, and nobody knew that then. And when you look at the camps opening this week, they have you to thank for the fact that they are now not, that they are taking water breaks, that they are only doing one-a-days, that everything has changed at the National Football League and probably in most of the colleges and high schools. And your mission has really saved so many lives that we don't even know about. I mean, uh, and your, your educational process of how you've taught people that this is a preventable illness. So going back and looking at yourself when you were 27, when all this happened, is there something that sticks out for you and how you handled it or how you could have handled it differently and kind of where you're at today looking back?
2: Um, I probably am, I don't know, I, I guess I would say that I'm probably a little thankful that it happened when I was, you know, so young because, um you know, I, it, when you, at that time, you know, my marriage was relatively new. Cody was a baby, so you know, I was just like kind of ripe for new experiences, if you will. So, being able to just take that on, maybe without so much um, influence that I know that I, I have now and responsibility. You know, I was it was it, in a way I have to be thankful that at an early set early point in my life, I was able to adjust. Um, as good as I could, because Cody was young, you know, so it just I was just able to do so many things that I had had not gotten into a habit of, you know, maybe say for ten or twelve years, you know where I would have been now, so um I have to look at that as you know being something that's good that happened from it um I probably would not. I wouldn't say that there was, like, one thing that I would have done different or if I would have cared about different because you you, you only know what you know when it happens, you know. Um, I, I would have probably wanted to and sometimes maybe still would like to talk with, you know, some of the people who were actually there that day. You know, I got right. – You know, in the beginning, I got tidbits, you know, pieces and here and Mm -hmm. here. But, you know, at that time, everything's in your head. It's like you have Spidey sense. You know, you just hearing stuff from everywhere, and it's, oh, God. And, you you know, you're questioning people's motives and intentions. So now if I could just really, like, one day just have a sit-down talk or dinner, like, with some of his close um, friends and teammates that were there to, you know, perhaps even the coach. Like, I know that that's, like, you know, pretty much a a done deal, but that would just, it would be a dream of mine if I could just, like, talk and see, you know, what was he like, what was really going on, you know, just maybe if nothing more than a memory, you know, and and it's been hard because, you know, that's something that I've always wanted, and I, I, I received, you know, um, A very good, you know, offering of that with someone, but at the same time, that person wasn't there with him, and that person didn't know him. So it it would mean a lot to me to be able to do that. And people have been so afraid of me in a sense of, you know, not like, you know, I'm intimidating them, but in the sense that, you know, I think people have good intentions in their heart, and I think a lot of people felt a lot of sadness, you know, for Corey leaving, you know, all throughout the league, all throughout sports, you know. So I know that there are, are, you know, people out there that, probably, you know, would, would have liked to talk to me and would have just, you know, just to be able to console the family, you know, me and a little boy, but just because of all these certain, you know, things you can't do. So that's the only thing that I wish could have been different and is something that I would have probably made different at this point.
1: You know, you, um, I think that a lot of that um, probably is um, not uncommon for people that, suffer anything that's as traumatic an event as this was uh, because they uh, I would think that would want to know about everything they could possibly know Mm -hmm. since they weren't there in that particular situation I guess would you say it's fair to say that it would really give you unbelievable closure and um, an understanding of everything so that you could get comfortable with that because there's so many things that you don't know today that none of us were able to find out, really, because everybody was so guarded?
2: It would. It really would. And it it would because of the fact that, you know, we know that people were there. You know, it's it's a different type of hope when that person may have been alone and you yearn for that, but to know that sure. people were there and people that, you know, you once had contact with, you once talked with and associated with, you know, that 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 would bring so much closer just on those relationships alone, you know?
1: No, I understand. Let me, let me ask you, you made a comment that um, you said that you felt undeserving of the notoriety you received from Corey's death. What made you feel this way and, you know, um, how did you pull yourself out of that mindset?
2: It's 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 a work in progress. I'll be honest, Um, because as time goes by, it does allow me to, you know, just have reflection on the situation more so than actually being in the moment of that situation. So I think that it was very difficult for me at one time because. I didn't. I didn't reject any of the notoriety as it related to Corey, but I did as it related to me personally, and it just. I I, I just felt so undeserving of it in a sense of not necessarily there being any type of you know low self esteem on my part, but I just felt like. I didn't need any of this energy. We should put all of this to Corey, you know, we should put all of this to gaining information. We should put all of this you know, that that was like seriously the way I took it. So it was it was it was almost uncomfortable, you know, for for people to be interested in talking to me, even though they did want to know about Corey, but it you know, it just after a while it just seemed very I don't know it it was it was it just didn't seem as authentic as you know maybe it did in the first week or two, and I just felt you know honestly there was a time when i just i felt so ashamed at one point, like ah you know this is this is something that i didn't I didn't want to happen this is something that you don't want anybody to go through, and it's being exposed so much and you're constantly being reminded of this, and it's just it's not a it's not a very proud feeling, you know, to, to, you, you know what I mean? It, it's just, it's not, and it's, but at the same time, I knew that I was not doing, it wasn't about me, and I wasn't doing it for myself, so that's what made me be able to continue on and, and, and you know, just like keep my eyes on the prize and stay focused and, and do what I know I was told to do for, you know, having gone through this tragedy.
1: When you, when you, you've talked often in your interviews and when you've talked uh, to various people. And you've talked about the dark moment right before the light, where you realized that you needed to pull yourself up
2: mm-hmm.
1: and do something to change the world. Do you mind talking a little bit about that with our listeners? Uh, because it was really that moment that, in my opinion, allowed you to really develop the opportunity to change the world in the form of the founding of the Corey Stringer Institute,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and and also find your own place in in the world from such a, 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 what I call a painful event, to where you took yourself out of a very rare position that you were put in through no fault of your own mm-hmm. and able to do so much good for the world and continue to do that. I'm curious if you can talk about that moment, you know, when you kind of fell to your knees in your closet and what life hit you at that moment.
2: Um, yeah, it actually was, uh, right, it was like the next day that... Um, a young player had died um, from practicing in the heat, and it was like every time someone would die, which is like you know, it's been just like a ridiculous amount of deaths per right. year. So this particular day, I got a phone call from someone that said, "Oh, did you see that? You know, this kid died." And I would always think, and even at that moment, I would think like. I was like, yeah, I saw, and I was always thinking, like, why do people tell me this? Why are they telling me? You know, it just, and they weren't, they were being considerate, but it was like almost like they were reporting this to me, like you need to know this, and I it was just like, why? I mean, I felt like Corey's death was pretty much isolated to you know, you know, me and his family and whoever else was touched by it, but not a very you know public thing, even though it was, and I just felt like, well, why are you telling me? And then at that moment, it was it was it was immediate. It was like God said to me, and it, well, I said to myself, I said somebody got to do something about this. This is ridiculous. And God was like, "It's you." And it was like, "Oh, okay. Well, that, yeah, yeah, get it. Okay, that was simple, right?" And from that moment, it was just like I was so blessed to have every everything was like already in place. So, so you see, when I say like. Certain things that you go through in life you wouldn't want to change because if you right. change them the way that things come to you it who says it it would work out the same way you know, and so you i just i'm thankful for the fact that you know we had we had worked with Doug, you know or Doug had worked with us rather, and he was just, uh, just instrumental of already like being there, and you know that this is is something that I wanted to do I didn't really know how I was going to do it um how I was gonna build a foundation, how I was gonna have an institute, I just knew that I could use at least the the, the power of the media that those those vessels you know they were there for me to be able to use and get this message out but it took time it took a lot of time and you know when you're going through things that that are destined to be great you never really see that as you're working through it day to day and and the funny thing is like you know the world never really shows you the struggle they just show you you know a, a glimpse of the journey and then it's like the success so when you're in that in that moment you don't really see it like that but you know as the time unfolded and people that that came to the table, you know, with Doug and UConn and it's it's like it just all matched together. It just it just was it was perfect timing. It was just timing and it worked and now K S I is to the level that it is and it's just like I just have great visions for where where it'll be in like the next ten years.
1: Well you know, um obviously we 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 were involved in several lawsuits which mm-hmm. either we won or we settled or we, in the cases of where we settled, we, and particularly you, with my help, I guess, the uh, was really about the, the bigger picture of what you wanted to achieve. And obviously, we're both grateful to Roger Goodell, the commissioner, who was not the commissioner at the time that Corey died, and the work that he and Jeff Pash and Gary Gertzog and, and, and that group did, and Gatorade and the other people who stepped up Timex to to help us in forming the Institute to really give back. And um, the work that you've done there with Dr. Dr. Casa and, and the University of Connecticut and the Neg School of Education really helped create a foundation for building this new platform. And I think it's like, you know, it's always the expression, I never really knew what it meant until you talked about that moment when it came to you, you know, spiritually that, you know, was like your darkest moment. And then all of a sudden this light went off and it was like, okay, I could do that. And and I think that, I assume, you know, that oftentimes we just use, you know, we use phrases that I don't know that all of us really understand what they mean because we're given those glimpses. I agree with you completely. And, and it always seems like we're in these situations we're just never going to get out of. It's just, it's like even in the world today, I mean everybody's going through such a difficult time. They're either out of work, you know, the economy's in the toilet, you know, the people in Congress can't make up their minds, you know, how to go to the bathroom, let alone, you know, come out of the rain. And, and at the end of the day, people are suffering. People are depressed. They've lost, lost confidence in, in themselves and in the system that we have. And there you are having lost, you know, your husband. Uh, your son doesn't have a father. Uh, you are young, and you really didn't really pick being in a situation of being married to an NFL player. It kind of just all kind of came together. And then the next thing you know, you're creating this incredible institute that has saved so many people's lives. And now they have a, a resource and a place to come to, to learn and to educate themselves and just to hydrate and just to be able to be prepared to go into what they do, which was never the case. And you've changed not just people's lives, you've changed institutions' lives, people that frowned upon, you know, these things, just, they don't dare say it anymore. It's now one-a-days, so it's not two-a-days, and they don't wear the helmets and the shoulder pads on 108-degree temperature, and you know, they let, they force people to take water, whereas in the old days, people were made into sissies if they drank water. So I, I really hope you realize that as a 27-year-old girl and soon to be you know, wonderful young woman. You've changed some pretty powerful people's minds and have made such a vast difference. And I'm sorry that it had to happen the way it did. I really am. And you know I am. But at the same time, I also know that you've got a lot of people looking down on you and they feel that you are in a rare position of being able to change the world. And I just think that that's just such a remarkable thing because I do think that there's, and we'll talk about it as we get towards the end of the show, there is a greater purpose to our lives than just being here every day, paying our bills and going through step-by-step. Step.
2: Mm-hmm. You're right. You're absolutely right. So, you know, as
1: you created this institute on heatstroke, uh, which, by the way, for our listeners is uconn u c o n n Dot edu for more information it's the Corey stringer Institute uh, it's located at the Nag School of Education at the University of Connecticut and and Kelsey stringer is the founder and the CEO of the Institute and it does save lives let me ask you um, do you believe that Corey's purpose in life perhaps was to be a catalyst to draw attention to what a danger heat exhaustion in sports poses to athletes at any at every level of competition do you think that's one of the things or do you think it's Coincidence, or do you think it has nothing to do
2: with it? Oh, I think it has absolutely everything to do with it. I mean, um, and you having the privilege of knowing Corey and, and knowing his personality, um, he has a very—he's a very generous person, a very giving person, a very giving person of just his energy and his spirit. So, and also he is—he can be very sly and coy. So, the way in which Corey just. Gave to people this would be so much like him, I mean, not to be just ridiculous in saying that you know you know like he took his own life and it's his goal, no, but for what our soul is about, what you know the soul that lives on after our physical body is gone, like that personality is still in that soul, so if that soul and that spirit is with you, you know you will you will be so privileged to have that understanding and have that presence around you. And so I know that what we're doing with the Institute, Corey was a a, a huge reader, so he was big on education and information, and he was always, you know, trying to find out something and and get knowledge about something else, you know. So I know for a fact that this is something that, you know, he's happy about. he's, he's, He's excited, you know, that, We're educating people because that was a big thing to him. So with the Institute now, the way that it is and the way that it's structured is so, so, and you know, this is so amazing. I mean, we couldn't have better people you know, on our team, on our staff and it's it's really an honor to have, you know, the NFL and Gatorade and Timex. I mean to acknowledge that, you know, to because these, these these are these are companies that have been in existence for so long before any of this, you know, came to the light or was even occurring on such a consistent basis, you know, so for them to get that and not saying that, you know, we provided. The, we were the first people to provide them with this information, but for them to have that and get behind us—that is—that is truly, you know, powerful. So, I'm so thankful where KSI is right now. I mean, you, you know, we've changed the laws in several states now. Little, I think a little, big five states now. You know, on the high school um, practice heat policies. So, and I mean, in, in the state of Texas, you know, what I mean, just amazing things. So, I am just. So, so thankful and so grateful of the work that, you know, all of us are doing and, and everybody's time and effort and help.
1: How can our listeners get more involved with KSI, and what can they do to help spread the word about exertional heat stroke prevention? Uh,
2: well, what they can do is, of course, as you said, you know, they can go to Edu, and I, I encourage um, everyone, if they have, a, you know, any questions or um think that they may need information um, to, to go to our site and read through our site. There's great information there talking about, um, you know, our purpose and our mission, you know, which is, of course, you need to provide assistance and resources, you know, for preventing sudden, sudden death in sport. This is something that we we know for a fact does not have to um, result in a fatality, and, um, you know, our goal is just to provide needs to, not just the athletes, but, you know, the people that are physical, the people that supervise them and care over them. So anyone, any of the listeners out there, if they're involved in this or they have children that are, we encourage you to visit our site for great information that, you know, you might not have known otherwise.
1: So in all that you've experienced, what advice would you say is the most important that people remember each and every day? <sighs>
2: to just... Just relax, and you know don't spend your life searching for answers to you know a question that you don't even know you don't you don't you it's like we're looking for answers, and there's not just there's there's no one question over our life you know just relax and allow life to come to you, you know just through my experiences I've learned that you can't predict what comes your way good or bad or life changing so um just just you know in, enjoy the moment that you're in and you know don't be afraid to dream don't be afraid to just see your life the way you want to see it and i think it, when people do that it when, when daily stuff comes their way, or you know, major things come their way, it's it's not as distracting and it's not as devastating, and it's empowering. So I, I would, I, my daily advice is to just relax a little and don't search so hard for things but that it, are already going to come to your life.
1: It's great advice. Uh, I do have in a short minute and a half we have left. As you look back on your journey. And it's been an incredible journey uh, filled with ups and downs. That's what this show is about. What do you feel is the greater purpose of life?
2: That we're not here for ourselves, that we're we're here for one another. That everything that we experience personally is is to be shared in some sort of way with other people because it affects who we are. Everything that happens to us affects who we are. So... Our purpose is to acknowledge those experiences, accept them, you know, make what you can of it, and share that particularly positive energy with people.
1: Well, uh, um, I want to tell you, uh, Kelsey, that uh, you're a remarkable person. Thank you. I've learned so much from you, and I know others have, too, and I will always look at our friendship in such a very special way, and more importantly, I have the utmost respect for your journey, and I know there's many, many other steps along the way, including a book and including, hopefully, your own talk show and various other things that you want to do. Right now, you're helping to save lives, and you're doing a great job with the Corey Stringer Institute. I want to uh, tell, thank our listeners for listening to Kelsey Stringer and sharing her journey with us. And Hopefully some of you can take something away from this, and the wisdom you've gained from her today. I'd like to thank our listeners for tuning in to A Current Life on the Voice America Variety Channel. Uh, This is your host, Jimmy Gould, signing off. Please join us next Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern. And until next time, I wish each and every one of you a journey filled with hope, inspiration, success. And to Kelsey Stringer, much, much love to you, and much thanks for everything that you do every day. Uh, I, uh, I'm honored by your friendship, and I'm honored by our relationship. And I not only miss, but I'm honored by the fact that I had the opportunity to represent Corey Stringer. Thank you so much for being on the show.
0: Thanks again for joining us for A Current Life on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please tune in to another great program with your host, Jimmy Gould, next Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time. We'll see you next week.